welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast. I'm Steve Baldwin. It was late last summer, in June of 2022, that vaccines for COVID-19 became available to all children aged six months and older. And most recently, the bivalent booster that helps protect against the Omicron variant of COVID-19 also became available to young children. Even so, vaccination rates among young children in Los Angeles County remain low, with only 12% of children between age 6 months and 4 years old having received at least one dose of the COVID vaccine, and only 7% being fully vaccinated. But even more concerning are the disparities that persist among children of color, with just 6% of black children and 5% of Latino children in Los Angeles County receiving at least one dose, compared to 22% of Asian children, 19% of white children, and nearly 15% of American Indian and Alaska Native children having received at least a single dose of the vaccine. Why is it important for younger children to receive the COVID vaccine? Do vaccines work in children? And most importantly, are the COVID-19 vaccines and boosters safe for children? To help answer these questions and more, today I'm joined by Dr. Nava Yagene, Medical Director of Vaccine Preventative Control in the Acute Communicable Disease Control Program in the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Dr. Yagene, welcome once again to the LA Public Health Podcast. Thanks so much, Steve. Happy to be here. It's great to have you back. We have many questions today, Dr. Yagane, about the COVID vaccine and children. And so we're going to dive right in on the topic of children and particularly children of color. LA Times article reporting that the vaccination rate is lower for all children compared to the general population and even more so for black and Latino children. What do you think are the contributing factors and do you see barriers that need to be addressed? Yeah, so I think that is a really important thing to highlight is that we are seeing this growing disparity in Los Angeles County as well as in the country overall. We're noting that people aren't are slow to uptake the vaccine for the six month to five year olds. And this is a group that was last in line, unfortunately, for the vaccine. They um they didn't get their vaccine product until just recently, like, you know, six months ago. As far as, you know, what are the barriers? I think, you know, some of the barriers are the common ones, a lack of access. So it is uh, difficult to schedule a vaccine. It's difficult to take time off from work and get a vaccine. But I think there, more importantly, there's a lot of misperceptions about vaccine safety. And there's been some literature suggesting that these misperceptions circulate very quickly and that um, they circulate among some populations more than other. So there's, you know, there's a lot of theories out there. There's a lot of rapid information of disinformation, misinformation, and counteracting this misinformation is not a simple act. It requires a lot of different ways of communicating with parents. A lot of it is through a trusted messenger. So trying to make sure that there's someone where there is that that relationship of trust, it, it already exists, then you can use that relationship to relay accurate information to the parent. I do think that a lot of our work here at the Department of Public Health is, first of all, making people aware of this disparity, uh, making them aware of the information um, about safety and about the effectiveness of the vaccine, and then making sure the vaccine is available widely. So if you have had a chance to talk to your trusted source, hopefully you know, maybe your pediatrician, maybe a community member, maybe a health educator, that you are able to get that vaccine. And ideally, um, 
um, the way that, you know, all other vaccines work is that you're at your doctor's office, the doctor offers the vaccine to you, tells you how, you know, important it is, give answers all your question, and then you're able to receive that vaccine at the same time. You know, I think that that's, that's really the, the ideal situation. So with vaccines, many parents worry about the potential of side effects. And so what side effects should parents expect with the COVID vaccine, both short and long term? Maybe we could start with the the short term first. Yeah, so I think, you know, the studies and our real world experience really shows the side effects after the COVID-19 vaccine in kids, even infants, is very similar to what's seen in adults. And it's very similar to what children experience with routine immunization. So any vaccine, they're um, more common with the second dose, but the side effects tend to be, you know, pain, swelling and redness in the arm or in the thigh where the vaccine's given. A very small percentage of kids will have the muscle aches or might have a fever and irritability. But again, all these are very common side effects that people experience with any immunization. And you may have some limited activity for a few hours, but they should go away and you should be completely back to your normal health in a couple of days. And again, not everyone gets these side effects and they're normal. These side effects show that your body is going ahead and building immunity. So as far as the long-term effects, you know, there really hasn't been any long-term effects noted that, you know, affect children. So now we've had vaccines for years. The only really big adverse event, and I think this was found very early on with the mRNA vaccines, is that adolescent boys, boys between the ages of 18 to 24 years of age mostly, can get this uh, myocarditis, this inflammation of the heart or pericarditis, the inflammation of the outer layer covering the heart. And this this happens usually with the second dose. It can happen in, you know, about, it's really uncommon. So it's about 55 per 100,000. But when it does happen, it is treatable. And again, it's mostly in adolescent males. So we haven't seen this in young children. We haven't seen it in the five to 12 year olds either. It's really the 18 to 24, 18 to 34 year olds. And really what we've done is we realized that if we spread out the vaccines a little bit for that age group, so if you get your first dose and then wait, you know, eight weeks and get then get your second dose, it seems like it decreases that risk as well. And we're really not seeing it with the bivalent booster doses either. So as far as the only long-term effect that, you know, we've seen and that needs to be treated is the myocarditis, pericarditis with adolescent males with their second dose of um, the vaccines. Oh, that's great to know. So we're really not seeing any long-term risks in the little kids, the really young kids, and even the older kids, that 55 and 100,000, that's like less than one thousandth of one percent. So it's really, really small. Yeah. And I think, Steve, it's really important to note that if you get COVID-19 or MISD, which is, you know, a longer term effect of COVID-19, or if you have long COVID, all these things can affect your heart and the rates um, the risk of having, you know, these heart issues with COVID-19 and its sequelae are much greater than with the vaccine. So the vaccine can really prevent a lot of damage to your heart. Got it. Okay. That's helpful. I've heard some parents, like in parent groups and stuff online, saying that young children don't get sick anyway from COVID. And so we should just let the kids, you know, quote unquote, just get it because they're not likely to get sick. What would you say to parents who who think that or who kind of, you know, talk about that with other parents? 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> I do think that, you know, we are fortunate in that COVID-19 can be mild in children, but some of them unfortunately do become very sick. Some of them get hospitalized. And then we know that we've had over 1900 kids die from COVID-19. I think that, you know, uh, most of the studies that have looked at this, you know, who's getting hospitalized with COVID-19 in children, um, about 50% of kids have no underlying condition. So 50% of the kids are completely healthy. Otherwise, you know, with no more immune systems, have never had a cold or illness and then get really, really sick. The other 50% have conditions that are relatively common in pediatrics. So the underlying conditions that you know you see are kids who have asthma, kids who have who are obese or have a high body mass index, and then kids with any sort of neuromuscular disease or diabetes. So these are things that you know we do see fairly common in pediatric populations. And again, then we have the 50% who are previously healthy. And the vaccine is extremely safe and it can help prevent your child from being sick. And even if your child just gets a mild infection, it does affect a lot of other things. Like for example, they if they have COVID-19, they need to isolate. So they can't go to school, they can't go to their activities, they can't go to soccer practice, they can't go to their friend's house. That is a big deal for my family. I know my children would hate to miss out all their activities. And then last but not least, it's the long-term effects. So we have the multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, the MISC, which um, seems to occur weeks after the initial infection, can cause a lot of issues with the heart, requires, you know, a lot of kids do need to get hospitalized with that. And then long COVID and long COVID again is people who have recovered from their initial COVID infection, but still feel tired, get headaches, have trouble focusing, aren't able to participate in their normal activities. And this can last for months after their initial infection. So again, I want to emphasize that the vaccine is extremely safe. It does work to prevent infection and it really works you know, against hospitalization and severe illness. And the last, Stephen, I feel like I have to um, just emphasize that we, our highest hospitalization rates are in infants who are less than six months of years of age. And those individuals that, you know, those infants don't have a vaccine, but there is a vaccine in pregnant women. And the vaccine, if you are expecting and you do get the vaccine, it does protect your infant. It seems to decrease the risk of them being hospitalized by about 50%. So really important for um, us to make sure that if you're expecting a baby, if you're pregnant, if you're a pregnant person, you go ahead and get vaccinated. Do we have data on safety and birth outcomes for vaccinated women as well? Yeah, there's a lot of information. We're really lucky because a lot of pregnant women who are pregnant persons who got vaccinated did participate in different monitoring systems. So there was one called VSAFE where you sign up. And they, you know, there's an active surveillance system where they contact you and they check on you and they make sure your baby's born well. And that system, you know, has enrolled hundreds of thousands of women and has shown that it's been very safe. We also know a lot about COVID-19 infection during pregnancy and how devastating it could be. It could result in preterm labor. It could result in increased hospitalization for the pregnant person and then also preterm birth and complications for the infant. Thank you for all that. That's reassuring to know the safety data is still there after all. Now, three years of data we have to look back at, and uh, it's great to know that it's bearing out the, the vaccines are safe. That's really great. Just curious, why are children's ages broken out when it comes to how and when we give the vaccine? For example, why is it you know six months to four years? 
for one particular dose and then five years to 11 years? Why is it broken out that way? Yeah, it's usually, um, you know, the reason that they chose these age groups is due to changes in the immune system. So as mm-hmm. you age, your immune system develops and, it, you know, it becomes different. Um, and so really what we, the manufacturers of um, the vaccine took a look at the immune system and then figured out what doses would be an appropriate dose for each child, you know, in, in a certain age group with a certain amount of immune system maturity. So that's really the reason is to make sure that they get the right amount of dose for their developing immune system. So it's the same vaccines, the same medicine, just a different dose based on the age of the child. Exactly. It has the same active ingredients, but you're getting a smaller dose because you're, you know, the immune system is stronger. Similarly, for people who are immunocompromised, whose immune systems don't work, we recommend getting an additional dose. So they need a little bit more of a dose. So what about other vaccines that children might need as part of their regular pediatric course of vaccines. Can children get their COVID vaccine at the same time as their other vaccines that come due? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, you can definitely co-administer vaccines. It's found to be safe. It doesn't seem to cause any more of a reaction. So if your child is, you know, needs to catch up with their vaccines, please go ahead and save yourself the hassle and try to get them all at the same visit. Most pediatricians are able to do that pretty well. That's great. So Where is the best place for children to get vaccinated? You mentioned their pediatrician. Is that the best place or are there other places parents can take their children to get a COVID vaccine? Yeah, um, so we should have vaccine available at hundreds of locations throughout Los Angeles County. We do, you know, pediatricians, a lot of them are offering vaccine. I know most of our, our pediatricians who are participating in the Vaccine for Children's program are carrying vaccines. We also have a lot of pharmacies that are carrying vaccine. Usually pharmacists like to give vaccine to those who are three years of age and older. So you might just want to check before you go into the pharmacy to make sure they can administer vaccine to your child. We at Los Angeles County Department of Public Health have a lot of mobile vaccine clinics, and we're doing several hundred in schools every week. So mm. the schools are, you know, hosting these vaccine events. So you do, you know, it might be if there's a, a vaccine event at your school, that might be more convenient. And you don't need to make an appointment. You can just come. Um, and then we also have our Los Angeles Department of Public Health points of distribution or pods. Those are all open and um, administering vaccine as well. That's great. And the L.A. Department of Public Health has a website that has a service locator feature where you can enter your zip code and your address and find the vaccines that are available near you. And we will put a link in the show notes for that. Very I was going to say also myturn.ca.gov is also mm-hmm. another source. If you're in other parts of California, you can put in your zip code and find it. And then I also want to mention that we do have an in-home vaccination program. Mm. So if you have a situation where you can't get out of the house, if you're homebound or if your child has a medical condition where it's hard for you to get out of the house, we do provide a mobile vaccine service that comes to your house and administers vaccine. That's great. And there's a website for that, too. And we'll link to the show notes for that as well. So thank you. Great resources. Is there anything else we want to mention that the public can do to try and increase vaccine numbers among young children? You know, I think that there's 
always desire to make sure your child is healthy. I mean, that's what parents want. They want their child to be happy. They want their child to be healthy. And so a lot of parents are interested in the vaccine, but they just want to make sure it's safe. And so there's a lot of data being collected showing how incredibly safe this vaccine is. If you have questions, you should be able to talk to your pediatrician or other medical professional. There is a lot of vaccine effectiveness data that's being published. We are sharing it for our local Department of Public Health. You know, we're, we're trying to provide some information about how the vaccine effectiveness is for um, in Los Angeles County. The CDC is publishing information. Other organizations and hospitals, children's hospitals are publishing information. So there is information out there that really shows that the vaccine does provide significant protection against infection, against hospitalizations, and these long-term complications like the MISC and the long COVID and then, again, so many different systems looking for safety um, and really finding nothing in the in the younger age groups. So I just want to reassure everyone, we know that these are main concerns. We ourselves are parents and are, you know, want to know, mm-hmm. make sure this information is collected and is shared. So please talk to your pediatrician, talk to us, um, talk to your pharmacist. And if you still have concerns, let us know how we can help address those. Dr. Nava Yagane with the LA County Department of Public Health. Thank you so much for joining the show today and sharing uh, such valuable resources with our listeners. Much appreciated. Thank you. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.